Hello and welcome to the Life is Story podcast. I'm Josh Olds. And today, actually, my first question for you, Beth, is going to be, how exactly do you pronounce your last name? I want to make sure that I get it right. I appreciate you answer, asking me that question. And I would um, respond to any way you said my name, but the correct pronunciation of my last name is vote, as in voting in the election. So it's Beth Vote. All right. Thank you. So I, I, I want to tell you a story, and that is... Um, a podcast episode that I did a few months ago, then I, I took some reader questions just because I had some people that knew I was going to be interviewing. I, I honestly forget who I was interviewing. And a friend of mine who's <laughs> been, a, been a friend of mine for over a decade, um, I, I apparently have been mispronouncing her last name for over 10 years. But we're close <laughs> friends. We're, friend. we're close friends. I mean, I never had a reason to call her by her last name. Um, so yeah, she calls me afterward and she's like, so did you know that my last name was actually pronounced not like that? I'm like, no, I had no idea. I've been doing it wrong for as long as I've known you. Uh, so now, now I try to ask people to make sure if I'm not, not sure. So, um, so Beth, uh, thank you for taking time out of your day to be on the podcast. Um, uh, we're here to talk about the, the last book in the Thatcher sister series. It's called the best we've been. Um, let's start though by talking about the series in general because this is the third book. It's the third sister. Uh, when you started with book one, did you know that you'd be writing about this entire family? Yes, that was my plan all along. Was to highlight um, one of the sisters in each of the books. There's actually four Thatcher sister sisters in the family. But one of the sisters has died when book one opened, and I highlight the remaining three sisters in each of the books. So I start off with Peyton in book one, Things I Never Told You, and then book two is um, Moments We Forget, and I highlight Jillian, the middle sister. And then The Best We've Been, which comes out May 5th, um, is highlighting Johanna, who is the older sister. And so my plan all along was to, to tell each of the sisters' stories. So one of the things that I appreciated most about The Best We've Been is that um, it, was, it was a self-contained story. Uh, so I, I, haven't, I haven't read the first two books uh, and I'm sure it would have helped with my understanding uh, to know the backgrounds you know the stories that came before but I, there was never a point where I felt lost um, while I was reading the best we've been uh, so can, can you go back then just for my sake and kind of tell me how those first two stories went to help us get to the point we're at in book three well I appreciate you saying that you didn't get lost with just reading The Best We've Been as a standalone. So thanks for that. That's encouraging to me as an author. Um, one of the challenges was introducing Johanna in the first book, but knowing that you didn't get her full story mm -hmm. until the third book came along. The funny thing is, a lot of the readers didn't like her. <laughs> in the first book and that was planned <laughs> and needing to have them stay with me until the third book. Mm 
So that was a challenge. The first book introduces Peyton Thatcher, whose twin sister, Pepper, had died 10 years prior to the opening of the first book. And she has distanced herself from her family because there's a secret about what happened the night her twin sister died. And she's been hiding that secret and struggling with carrying that secret and should she finally talk to her family about that. And I always referred to the Thatcher Sister series as a little women gone wrong story because we're all familiar with the classic little women mm -hmm. story and the wonderful relationship those sisters have. But that's not the, the case with the Thatcher sisters. They don't have those close relationships. They have complicated, distant um, relationships. They don't trust one another. They don't necessarily even like one another. And that's what they're struggling with in book one with um, Peyton and her carrying that secret. And then in book two, when Jillian, the middle sister, comes forward and we're, we're seeing her story come forward. And in book one, Jillian is, is the subplot and she's diagnosed with breast cancer. The, the night she um, is celebrating her engagement party. And then in book two, we see more of her story as she continues that journey. Uh, so we get to the third book. And so the third book is, is not just telling Johanna's story, but it's also continuing the, the story arcs of the other two sisters and everything they've gone through in the first two books. So uh, how does The Best We've Been sort of wrap up the storylines for all three of these characters. The best we've been is when Johanna's story comes front and center. And what I've slowly done is dismantle her life, so to speak. Johanna mm -hmm. is what you would call a control freak. And over book one and book two, I've allowed her sense of control to fall apart. And what everything that she thinks she can control, her job, her long distance, long term relationship with her fiance have all fallen apart. And then in book three, I throw a situation at her where the one thing she's never wanted, she gets. Mm. And it's the one thing that her sister Jillian has always wanted. And she's forced to make a choice that separates her from her sister. Because once again, she has to make this choice. And it's the one thing she's never wanted that her sister has always wanted. Mm. And it's how do you make a choice that's that's going to affect someone that you actually care about. She and Jillian have always been close, mm. but this choice could change their relationship forever. 
and she's losing her sense of control because her life is spinning out of control. And um, Johanna has always prided herself on having her life going her way. Meanwhile, I'm having Peyton and Jillian, who are no longer central characters in the story, they've become more subplot characters, dealing with their issues. In the beginning of the Thatcher Sister series, it's interesting, none of these characters are believers. I really liked writing a story where people are dealing with issues, but they don't have a faith that they can fall back on. It's interesting to write a story where people are struggling with hurts and real life issues, but you have to go, how would you respond to this if you don't have a central faith in your life, if you can't turn to God? Mm -hmm. And it was really fun to write that story with those kind of characters. Because so often, if you are a believer and you're writing those books, you can throw in a really strong spiritual um, central line to that story. And I loved writing the story where the characters start out and they don't have a strong faith. Because I have people in my life who don't believe in God. Mm-hmm. And I loved writing my central characters who didn't have God to turn to. Well, that's changed as the storyline has gone on. And so now Jillian and Peyton are new believers, but that doesn't mean they have a strong sense of faith. And so they're struggling with things, but they're new believers. So how do you walk that out as new believers? Johanna doesn't believe in God. Peyton and Jillian are new believers And they're all struggling with different things, marriage, recovering from cancer, and how do you walk these things out? Mm -hmm. And that's part of this story is that life can be good even if it's not perfect. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's a really good point. One of the things that drew me to the characters was that it was it was it was very real and how they were having to deal with things, um, and I don't think there's a there's there's not a, a, a lot of Christian fiction, uh, especially the the type of Christian fiction that's sort of a relational drama. Um, whenever the character comes to Christ, that's sort of like well, and then everything got better. That was you know that that that's sort of the pivot point uh, that the story revolves around. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, for, for these characters and Peyton and Jillian in particular, and we, we have them in, in the best we've been, they're these new believers that are trying to come to faith, uh, or they've come to faith. They're trying to figure out their faith and they're, you know, more than that, they're trying to figure out, you know, the, the construct of Christianity and, you know, small groups and how, how am I mm-hmm. supposed to live out this life? Uh, it, it was sort of it was really refreshing uh, for me to see a character that was you know, kind of going through this, and for an understanding that it, it's not just okay, you know, I didn't believe, I prayed a prayer, and now I feel strong in my faith, but to really see that these characters, they're they're the problems in their life don't go away. Um, as as a matter of fact, for some of them, the problems in their life may actually get worse. 
but the way in which they handle it becomes different and the way in which they try to to work that out um i i think is a very compelling it's a very compelling storyline to see how people respond to this newness in christ uh, that they have and um you know i i'm a pastor and i've seen people walk through exactly this um and i have to say that the characters are very true to life and how they respond uh, with you know nervousness and with uh, you know unsurety, with you know sort of a, a wonderful naivety uh, that as people who have been Christians for a long time are jaded and don't have, and uh, we should be more more like that new Christian. Um, so those those subplots, you know, really they, they they kind of they kind of help balance the tone of the story. I think, mm-hmm. um, and, and provide in, in some areas comic relief, uh, in some areas some, a little more, um, you know, different perspective than you're getting with what's that, you know, a pretty heavy story with with Johanna's story. Uh, in, in particular, there was there was a, a few scenes where I think it's Peyton, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, um, who's mm-hmm. trying to fit in with her small group, and just as as a pastor who was who has sat in on small groups like that um i won't give too much away but but that whole it, it that whole experience of like are these people speaking english is this you know <laughs> what 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 is this it, it, it was just sort of a nice aside that i found myself going yeah that's right yeah yeah for mm-hmm. sure i've i've i'm the pastor and i've left a small group studies feeling the exact same way she did um so i i thought that was a really interesting um, you know, I- interesting aside to things, and I um, just wanted to thank you for for adding that in. Was that something that you're like you knew you wanted to do from the beginning, or you're like you know this is how you know, we're going to use this as a device to explore her newfound faith? I appreciate you saying that because everything that happened to Peyton in the story happened to me. <laughs> As every every single thing happened to me as a new believer, mm-hmm. um, I became a believer uh, later in life when I was 21, and I was completely, completely clueless. And everything that I wrote in the story that happened to Peyton happened to me, and I was that clueless. I don't know this. I don't know this mm-hmm. language. I don't know this experience. I'm so uncomfortable um, asking my husband, can we please, do we have to go back? Because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm uncomfortable here. And, um, and I did write it as almost comic relief in the book because it is, there is a heavy thread through the book. Um, and and I told my editors this will be somewhat comic relief um, to lighten it because we need that a little bit mm-hmm. in the in the story because Johanna is wrestling with some heavy questions and sometimes even in movies there's a little bit of comic relief and so Peyton's storyline which in the previous books book one it's a very heavy storyline for Peyton. In book three, she becomes kind of a lighter, more humorous storyline. Um, and for me, it was kind of fun to remember some of those 
episodes that I went through, which at the time felt very serious for me as a new believer. Right. But yeah. in book three, I was able to chuckle and go, remember when mm-hmm. this yeah. happened. Yeah. It, it, it highlighted for me, and I, I know this, I know that this series and uh, this book is built as romance, uh, which is not something that I typically read, by the way. Um <laughs> But you know the, the the publisher reached out to me directly and said, um, "Would you be interested in a, a podcast episode with Beth?" And you know, I, I took a look at it and I was like, "God, oh, you know, I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll you know, this, this isn't my typical thing. Um, I'll, I'll read the synopsis." And when I read the synopsis, I'm like, "Well, this isn't romance is an element, but this is this is a yeah. relational drama." And I, I don't think that's an established genre, but I'm going to establish it right now. Um, it's people living their life. Yes. And yes. That's, a, that's the stories that I like. Um, obviously, the the site name and podcast name is Life is Story. Uh, so I like reading about people's lives, uh, fiction and nonfiction. And it, this was to see all of their stories sort of blend together. And you're like, this is just... This is this is how people's lives are. Um, this is how they live out. These are you know real things that happen to real people, and some of it's more extreme than the other. Um, but I think it highlighted for me in this book that this wasn't just all about you know oh the guy gets the girl or the girl gets the guy, uh, but these are the things that happen through our lives throughout all these characters, big things and small things, and being able to highlight you know both the big and the small. Uh, I think really really helped with saying this this feels true to life. Uh, this feels like this is what happens in their life. This is what influences them. Um, so, and so I, I really appreciated that. One of the one of the concerns when you write stories like that can be that everything becomes like a soap opera. You know, every character has mm-hmm. to have five different things that are happening to them all at once. Um, and it's, you know, layered and layered and layered and layered until it's, it's, it's ridiculous. Uh, how do you maintain that balance in trying to say like, okay, this, this is real life. You know, a real person could have this many things going on. Uh, but we're not going to, to make it too contrived. How, how do you find that balance there between not ending up over in soap opera land? that that's an excellent question and i i do love to write about real life i used to write contemporary romance and then i switched to women's fiction because um with romance you have to have happily ever after if you don't have a happily ever after your readers are going to let you know they're not happy with you mm-hmm. okay they're going to let you know wait a minute with women's fiction, you're writing about real life, you're writing about relationships. Um, you don't necessarily have to have a happily ever after. And I don't necessarily tie everything up with a really nice bow at the end of my stories because life doesn't always necessarily end up with a perfect ending at the end of the day or at the end of the year or whatever. Um, and when I'm writing a story, I'm layering in um, difficulties and things things can get better and and they can end up nice, but they can end up 
less than perfect. Um, the book is the best we've been, but it doesn't mean it's perfect. Mm-hmm. And when I'm trying to plot out a story, sometimes it can be out of balance. And the way that I make sure I've layered it properly is a lot of times I talk it out with a writing mentor, mm-hmm. someone like Rachel Halk who's a New York Times bestselling author, or Susie Mae Warren. They're both wonderful mentors of mine. And I'll talk out what I've plotted, and sometimes they'll pull me back off the ledge and go, wait a minute, you know, you're a little bit out of balance there. Mm-hmm. Let's let's push the story back this way or whatever. Um, I always plot out my characters and why do they do the things they do and why do they say the things they say because you want your characters to be believable. You know, you don't want to be them. You don't want them to be caricatures. I want my characters to be true to life. Um, so I always try to know why they're doing the things they're doing. But talking it out with another writer, someone who um, knows craft, that always helps me round them out well and, and really look at my story in, an, in a better way. Someone who's objective and not as deep into the story as I am. So that always helps me to talk out the story with someone else. Mm-hmm. Was there ever a point in the in the novel that as you were writing it, then you were surprised by the choices the characters made? I know when you write stories like this, um, you can sometimes be like, I, I didn't know they were going to do that. Um, was, it, was there any point that you had of that in this book? I um, really wasn't sure completely where Johanna was going to end up at the end of the book. And that's all I can say because I don't want to give it away to the readers where she ends up completely at the end of the book. Um, Because I wasn't completely sure what all her choices were going to be. Um, She gets, I, I knew that, her relationship with her sisters were going to be better, but they, it was never going to be completely perfect. Sister relationships are complicated. And, and I know that, that for a fact, my, I have sister relationships and, and they're extremely complicated. Um, And Romans 12 says, as much as you are able, live at peace with other people. And sometimes that means you can't do anything more to make things okay with other people. And so um, sometimes you have to let things be what they are. And so with Johanna, I I knew that Johanna was going to have to be who she was. And so I wasn't going to push her to become this perfect person and so I think some readers are going to expect Johanna to end up to be a certain way Mm -hmm. but Johanna has to be true to who she is right yeah and I can't change her to be a certain person if it's not true to her character yeah and and so in as authors we have a character arc the, per, the character changes, but it has to be true to who that person is. And I, and I think readers have to understand that. 
But I also think that's true in real life, that we change over time and we have to allow God to work in our lives over time. And we also have to allow God to work in other people's lives over time. There is a process that's happening in people's lives and in our lives, and it takes time. And that's true in story, and that's true in real life. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I want to shift um, just a little bit. And we, we, we have people that listen to this podcast that are writers or aspiring writers. And so I like to ask just some questions about their writing life um, to sort of pick the brain of people who, who have been there, done that, and can, can maybe help others of us who are uh, going on the same journey. Uh, what's, a, what's a normal writing day for you? What does that look like? <laughs> that is one there of isn't my one. <laughs> that is my favorite question to be asked, and I always laugh because there is no normal writing day. I always say I write in between the interruptions, mm-hmm. I wish that I could say there was a normal writing day. I, am, If you looked in my calendar, you would see written in my calendar, write between 8 and 5. It's, it's written in my calendar every day. And then the interruptions happen. I'm a very relational person. And so if a friend calls me and they're in need, I'm going to walk away from my computer. Mm-hmm. And I am going to talk to my friend who's in need and I'm, I'm going to pray with my friend who's in need and I will ignore that story on the page, mm-hmm. you know, for a relationship because that's just how I'm wired. Mm-hmm. And my editor might be cringing if she was hearing that right now, <laughs> but I'll do that. Um, a normal writing day. Now, if I'm on deadline, I will put out, you know, deep, dark deadline. And my friends will know that. But I will still, even on deep, dark deadline, I will walk away from a computer if if a friend needs me or a family yeah. member needs me. So a normal writing day is I, I write in between the interruptions. Mm-hmm. But I work very hard never to miss a deadline um, and, and, and to, to meet my editor's expectations mm-hmm. and to turn in the best story I can. Yeah, I always find for myself, uh, I'm I'm very I, I have to be very structured, and um, it's it's hard for me to get pulled out and be interrupted and then you know come back to it. It's like okay, I, even if it's only for like you know 30 minutes or an hour, I need to be here you know at this time. And and meanwhile, my, you know, my wife is over writing and she's on her phone and just tapping away. I'm like, how do you write fiction <laughs> in in the notes of your phone? <laughs> You know, while while you're sitting, you know, while, while you're sitting in the room, you know, playing with our two children, like I, it's hard it's hard to go back and forth seamlessly in a story like that. But some people can do it. Um, I think it just goes to show that like it doesn't matter. You know, a lot of people will get into well, I don't know that I could spend the exact time commitment. I don't know that I could be this scheduled. But it really just like go right. You know, go go right mm-hmm. when you can. Um, I, I like the the phrase right between the interruptions. Um, just you mm-hmm. know, let it, let it be there in in your life. Um, what what advice would you give to someone who was starting out their writing journey that said, okay, I want to write, 
what do I do? The best advice I would give you is it's not going to go according to plan. The writing journey will not go according to plan. I'm known for the statement, God's best is found behind the doors marked never. Mm-hmm. I was never going to write fiction. I was a nonfiction writer and editor. I said I would never write fiction. And I hit a season of burnout, and God turned that into a bend in the writing road and brought me over to the dark side. <laughs> and I used to say people who who heard voices in their head, I would go, you know, there's medication for that. Mm-hmm. And I, And now I write fiction, and I love writing fiction. And so be open to the unexpected that God has waiting for you, because what he has waiting for you might be exactly what you've always said no to. Mm -hmm. So that's the first thing. The second thing is the best thing you can do for yourself as a writer is find a mentor. Mm -hmm. It can be hard to find a mentor because people are busy and they can say, I don't have time, whatever, but find a mentor Find someone who's farther down the writing road than you are who will come back alongside you and pour into you what they know. They're not trying to make a clone, but they're going to share their wisdom with you and help you learn what you need to know to be a good writer. Find a writing community like My Book Therapy, which is Susie Mae Morin's writing community. Find a writing community that, will help you learn writing craft. I mean, punctuation, grammar, everything, that's all important too. But writing craft, how to layer in emotion, how to write dialogue, how to write story world, all of that is important so that you can really write strong characters. So a mentor makes all the difference to to really becoming a powerful, powerful writer. We talked about this earlier. You, 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 your podcast is Life is Story. We connect through stories. Mm-hmm. And you want to write the kind of stories that people lean into mm-hmm. because they feel connected to the characters and they go, I, that's how I feel. That's, I understand what that writer is writing about because that's how I feel. Yeah. And stories connect us. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, I think it's a, I think it's a great unifier. It, it allows us to experience, um, sometimes, sometimes it, it's what allows us to experience things that we wouldn't otherwise experience. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, whether that's, we wouldn't want to experience it or we wouldn't be mm-hmm. able to experience it. And and sometimes it's stories that tell us other people experience this too. Uh, we're not alone um, because I I think in in your stories uh, with each relationship, um, you know, I I myself who is not the not the target demographic uh, for this book <laughs> can still look at this and say, 
yeah, I feel that. I feel this kind of thing in in my you know relationship with this person. I, I feel I feel this a little bit in my relationship with, with this person, and so you can kind of see yourself or feel yourself in each one of the characters, um, to you know to some extent, and that draws you into the story. When now you feel like, well, I'm not just invested in these people as characters, um, but I'm invested in them because I see part of myself in them, and you know, it. How do I feel about that? For myself, uh, as I read through what these characters um, go through. Thank you for saying that. I I appreciate that. Thank you yeah. so much. Uh, so la- last question for you, and then I'll let you go. And I I I hate to ask this question. I always end my podcast by asking this question, and I tell authors I I, I hate to end, but I'm, I I I like to ask what's next. Um, and that's that's an awful question to ask when you've just released a book. Or in this case, the book's not even out yet. We're recording this uh, on April 23rd, and I don't think the book doesn't release until May. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Or is there, okay, yeah. It releases. It releases on May 5th, which happens okay. to be my birthday. Oh wow! <laughs> well, happy birthday in a couple of weeks. Thank you. Um, so, so yeah. You. So you, it's, it's, you're still two weeks away from the release of this book, and I have to ask you, um, what's next? What's next? Well, right now we're in the midst of the pandemic. <laughs> so, so what's next is um, t- getting ready for this book release and really concentrating on um, trying to launch this book and also celebrating other authors mm-hmm. who are releasing their books. It's a really interesting time mm-hmm. to be launching books. Yeah. You know, in the midst of a pandemic, and so I'm all about trying to celebrate other authors who are launching their books too. It's really been a, it's an interesting time to be an author. But what I'm finding, it's also a wonderful time to be an author because author authors are supporting each other and mm-hmm. um, just really reaching out to one another and saying, "How can I help you?" right now and how can I support you right now and I have just been so encouraged this could be a discouraging time to be an author but I have been so encouraged by the author community right now Mm -hmm. as I've seen everybody reach out to each other and go how can I help you right now with your book coming out and I I have just loved that for me personally I am mulling over two book ideas and um, one of them is kind of They're both women's fiction. I love writing about relationships, mother-daughter relationships, sister relationships, best friend relationships. I believe relationships are messy. and um, But I also believe God, that's why God came, was to step down into our messy relationships and to say, I have more for you than this. And so one of the story ideas is rather lighthearted. It's... yeah, it's messy relationships, but it's got some humor in it. And then um, the other book idea is um, it's a relationship between uh, a trio of women, but it delves into a, a more serious topic. Mm-hmm. And um, it could be very well one of the more, probably the most challenging book I've written. And so I'm kind of balancing <laughs> those two book ideas right now um it's a challenging time to be 
be creative. Crisis doesn't really uh, lend itself to being creative, you know, in the midst of a pandemic right. yeah. time. But, you know, but that's that's what I'm working on right now yeah. with those two book ideas. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, well, I want to thank you for taking time out of your day to to be on the podcast. Um, I, I really appreciate it. And um, again, um, the book is The Best We've Been. It's the third and final book in the Thatcher Sisters series. And I do not read women's fiction because I am not a woman. Uh, but I picked this <laughs> book up because um, it was specifically um, the publisher had, had requested that I take a look at it uh, for the podcast. And I, I do try to take all inquiries seriously and thought... Well, why not? Why not? It looks like it's, uh, I like relationships. I like when life is story, obviously. And this looks like it's going to be good. 